This is episode 11 of An Impossible Journey from Vancouver to Switzerland via the Khyber Pass. Welcome back, mom and dad. We are now in Afghanistan. So you had gone through the Khyber Pass and then headed on up through the Kabul Gorge, and you are now heading into, on the bus, heading into Kabul. And apparently you arrive around 10 p.m. in the evening or at night on March the 4th into Kabul. And you were really surprised, Mom, to find it a fairly modern city with big hotels, neon lights, and wide, straight streets. You write here, I was expecting another Kathmandu. And one thing I do remember was um, the smell of cooking meat. You know, they were cooking shish shish kebabs or something outside. You know, there was street food. And the smell was so, so enticing. It was wonderful. And I just was hoping that we could get to eat some of this lovely smelling meat that was being cooked. We stayed in Jamil. And did you manage during your time there to eat some of this delicious street food? Um, I don't I don't know that we ate street food, but, no. Um, yeah, no, I don't think we did. Well, I, do you know what? I cannot remember hardly any of the restaurants that we ate in. So what did we do in Kabul? Oh, okay, so the next day, it says you were really surprised to wake up and find yourself surrounded by beautiful snow-covered mountains. So it sounds like degrees, yeah, it was very cold. Yeah, it sounds like, though, I mean from your initial impressions, Kabul wasn't anything like what you were expecting. I don't know if you were even sure what you were expecting. No, I wasn't expecting anything. I didn't know what to to expect of Kabul. I couldn't believe that wherever you looked, all around with 360 was this high mountain chain, snow-capped, you know, all around. Kabul Mm -hmm. was in the middle. And it said the people were very friendly and the shops are full of fruit and other foods, household goods, etc. It sounds like on your first morning, you just kind of wandered around and took in the scenery. And then you went up you decided to climb up the, a nearby hill to see the noon gun, which is, I guess, a cannon perched up on a ledge overlooking yeah. the city. And it goes off every day at noon. Is is that a thing? Every noon, uh, noon, the cannon went off. You could well, see. They, they fired it. Sounds, you know, yeah, you could see. It's not see an automatic it. thing or anything. No, no, the guys. Yeah. Are, but you could see the, the little smoke puffing now coming out. So we decided to go up there and, and check it out. And we hiked up that, that hill, more like a mountain. It was quite high. So we went up there. There was a little platform. There were three guys with the cannon. And we just made it before they fired it off at noon and the funny thing was that soon they fired it it fell apart yes. the wheels fell off <laughs> so every time they shut the cannon had to reassemble the whole cannon because it just it was very fell old on the floor. very yeah. old very rickety and 
but probably rather dangerous to, to <laughs> actually fire this thing every day at noon. And it was, you know, a little ceremony kind of thing. It was um, yeah. it was a big deal for them. But, <laughs> but it, I mean, it was very, very ancient. And yeah. very, we had a fantastic yeah. view of the whole city below yeah. you. It was a fantastic view. And then we walked down a different trail. We walked down the hill, back down to uh, to town through the houses and very narrow geez, they're all clay buildings you know clay bricks small houses and there was a it's really really smelly I remember there was a ditch going down the road on the side in front of the houses 12 um, inches wide and about 8 inches deep all the way down and water running down there was this was their sewer system they threw everything down well, there and well it was and they run down the mountain somewhere at the side of yeah at the bottom the that. side of the yeah. houses was like an opening, yeah. and so they—I guess—they had sort of an, some kind of an indoor yeah, toilet, that, toilet place, and then they sort of sh- shoveled it out into the the street. Yeah. That the channel, you know. Yeah. And it was the first um, time that the women had, you know, were walking along with their faces uncovered. And as, as soon as they saw us, you know, they totally covered their faces up. And and, um, and we hadn't seen that. Well, that the before, first time we saw it in town. Well, we saw them in town. They were totally covered. But walking through, you know, the, the streets between their houses, which were like clay hut kind of thing is things not really houses and um you know the women were uncovered but as soon as they saw saw us coming well boy they they very quickly covered their their faces they had the scarves over their heads mostly but their faces weren't covered so and we hadn't really seen that before had we up until now so you were essentially walking through you know kind of a little back neighborhood in alleyways exactly the the residents there weren't used to um foreigners coming in in that area Right, because you make a note here, as we walked through the mud houses, we collected millions of kids along the way. We felt like the oh. Pied Piper. Yeah, they never seen Westerners, the you kids, know, yeah. they, they kept staring at us yeah. and looking and smiling. Yeah. yeah. So you get back into town and you're informed by Brian that you wouldn't be leaving Kabul until Sunday because the brakes were... Right, shot the, on the, the bus brakes. and they needed to get new brakes. Was Brian, he was the he, he co-driver. Was the driver. No, he was the driver. Oh, he was the yeah, driver, yeah, Brian. Yeah. Brian was the name of the posh schoolboy. Yeah, no, that's yeah, what Brian driver, says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't remember which one was Brian. but So that afternoon you look around the shops a little bit more and you see lots of gorgeous old pots, jugs, rugs, jewelry, weapons, and of course the Afghan coats. You mentioned oh, coats a lot in your journal, Mom. <laughs> I know. Well, we had seen, on we, had seen we had seen people, you know, coming coming the other way, um, wearing in probably in Nepal we'd we'd seen them as well, wearing With these, the travels, these yeah. beautiful um leather embroidered full-length coats so sheepskin so they were they were yak skin on the inside yak fur on the inside not sheepskin no it was it was yak anyway so some kind of shaggy fur on the outside you know and the the leather um sorry on, on the inside was the shaggy fur and then the outside was embroidered and I really, really, really wanted one of these coats. And they had said, you know, that they bought them in Afghanistan. That's where they came from. And so 
I was on the lookout for um for no, one of these one. coats. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that evening, a whole crowd of us, you write here, a whole crowd of us went out for a very nice meal and wine and afterwards to a discotheque where we danced like mad and drank arak and had a fabulous time. Yeah, Gosh, I remember that. I wish I could remember it. <laughs> Red lights, all flashing lights and dimming lights. and full. A disco. Yeah, yeah the, disco. Place, the place was full, you know. Sounds wonderful, but I yeah. have no memory of it at all. No. Well, I think that's pretty neat that you're able to say you went disco dancing in Kabul. In Kabul, yeah, yeah I yeah. know, I know. Do you want to hear about my coat? Um, I would love to hear about your coat, Mom. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so it was beautiful. It was white and uh, sort of creamish. The white, white leather outside. Yeah. The outside, it's, you know, like suede kind of. And and so the inside was this grey, shaggy hair, hairy stuff. And the embroidery was, was cream-coloured. And it was it was it was beautiful. I loved it. But as I wore it, it seemed to get smaller. <laughs> Maybe you got bigger. No, I did not get bigger. <laughs> I don't know if it actually got smaller during smaller during the time of the journey. But certainly in the months after that, this blooming thing, it, it got stiffer and smaller. And you I couldn't get it on. I, I couldn't wear it in the end because I mean the leather had not been cured properly at all, and it just sort of dried and then yeah, and then yeah. shriveled. And so that was that was that was my lovely um, Afghan, Afghan coat. coat. Yeah, I still have it somewhere, Jessica. That's so funny. Yes, but it's not hanging up. It's all rolled up somewhere. Yeah, it just got stiffer. And they told us that they cured it in urine. With urine, yeah. Yeah, they cured the, the, the leather in urine, and uh, so it probably smelled as well. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, so it, so in fact, so there's the Nepalese one, that jacket that I had that was sh- shorter on one side than the other, and then my Afghan coat that shrunk. Uh, that shrunk. So I didn't do too well with my but coats. But you wore it on the trip. I did wear it. Turkey. Yes, yeah, I yeah. did. Yeah, yeah, I wore it with with pride first of all yeah till it started to become and tight. i bought i bought an afghan rifle which is a, a 1811 uh, english stamp on it that the metal part the barrel and the mechanism was all steel enfield it was a royal enfield uh, the afghans were building the wooden stock around a beautiful embroidered with them in, inlaid, inlaid mother of pearl and brass Funny design and beautiful design. It's hanging in our living room on the wall. I guess you've seen it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I know the rifle. Well, well. I, bought, I bought that there in, in the store. It, it was full of those rifles and muscles and pistols and all done the same way. And we wrapped it all up. And from there, from Kabul, I carried it on my shoulder all the way to Switzerland. Well, yeah, <laughs> you'd have to. They put a thing on a seal, a lead seal, and the trigger on all this. So mm-hmm. when I go into the next country, they needed to check if it's sealed, but I never used it or undo it or all this. It wasn't, it's not a gun that you could fire. You know, they, they got the old um, English uh, yeah, could, yeah. M- metal parts and, um, you know, put the wooden, added it, it, the wooden bits to it. Right. So it wasn't necessarily a working rifle. No, no. No, but no. it probably would work. Yeah. Everything was there. There was nothing missing. So gunpowder in and a bullet from the front, a flint lock, a flint in the mechanism, it would fire. Well, neat. So that was your afternoon shopping trip. 
So you head back to the hotel and you find out that it's now going to be Monday when you're going to leave because the bus isn't fixed. And then the following day was going to be a national holiday. The next day is Sunday, the 7th of March. A crowd of us climbed up again to the noon gun. So do you remember you went up there a few times, it sounds like. I say, okay. And then we had a fabulous eggplant dish for lunch. Do you remember? No, Nobody remembered anything like that. No, but I do remember good eggplant <clears throat> dishes, though. I don't know. I remember one in particular, but um, yes, I think that's where I just. Dis- dis- oh no, I discovered that I liked eggplant before that. After the afternoon, where the crowd of you climbed up to the noon gun, you spent the rest of the afternoon in preparation uh, or getting ready for the next day's all night drive. So you got a good night's sleep because apparently the following day, Monday, the 8th of March, you were going to get going again in the evening and drive through the night. Do you remember that? Yeah. No. Yeah, we drove down in Afghanistan. It's one main road, which is blacktop or asphalt. And from Kabul to Kandahar, which is going southwest from Kabul and Kandahar, this road was built by the Westerners, mostly by USA. And the road from, which is the same road from Kandahar to Herat, which is north northwest, so going west by going south first and then north again. That was built by the Russians, and that's that's the only street across in 1971 across Afghanistan, which was blacktop. Like the cars were driving, they were all driving Kabul, Kandahar, Herat, and it's about 300 miles between each city. So you know, it's a long way. We wanted to go all the way the next day to Herat to stay overnight there. That was the plan. So it's many, many hours driving. That's why we started early. So. Okay, so it says eventually the bus gets going again. Can I just, uh, can we talk about the um, the dress, the covering that the women wore, which was really quite beautiful, actually. It was an all-in-one, uh, it blew. They they were, I don't know what they're called. Light blue. Yeah, they don't know what that, the, the covering. And so the head, the face, and down to the knees at the front and down a, a longer at the back. The hat part. It's of, all one piece. Yes, it's all one piece. And so uh, some of the women, uh, some of them wore jeans under, and you could see that, you know, the lower part of their legs and they wore trousers or jeans, as I say, some of them. So the face was totally covered. It, even the eyes, th- this material was made into like a lattice kind of a, a design. Like a grill, yeah. It's like a yeah, grill that they, they looked through. And then above that piece that sat on the head, was embroidered so it was really quite beautiful but totally covering even their eyes you you couldn't see the women's eyes and they were very flowing as they they walked because the front was um was higher than the back you know the wind would catch and and this garment would would flow out behind them as they walked when it was windy so we I had never seen anything like that before I didn't pay attention to stuff like I, that. I don't. I don't think all the women were were covered <clears throat> in couple back then. Anyway, I, I don't know for sure, but um. And so you're leaving Kabul on Monday, the eighth of March. You leave around six thirty in the evening. Actually, the bus gets going because you're going to drive through the night, as we just said. Were you happy to be leaving? Excited to be getting back on the road again? I don't know, feelings like this. You can remember, remember 50 years later, yeah. you know. So how many nights did we spend there then in Kabul? 
from the fourth till the tenth. No, till the eighth. Till the eighth. Four so days. Four yeah. nights. So four, three nights, four days. Yeah. Was it? Sounds four like days? it. Yeah. So you get going, you're driving through the night. It's very cold, you write here, and you stop for tea in Kandahar at about 2.30 in the morning. Yeah, I remember that. Which I just, when I read that, found that super interesting just because stopping for tea in Kandahar at 2.30 in the morning, I mean, you <laughs> you couldn't do something like that now. That would, that would seem like such a an outrageous thing to do. But for you at the time, it was yeah. just, oh, we're having a rest stop. Let's stop in Kandahar for I tea. I remember that yeah. I think I bought my clay pipe there because it was a little, the shop we stopped place. We got the tea that they're selling, you know, like. I'm surprised that it's anywhere it open is. at yeah. two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Well, the driver knew about it. That's why. All right. Well, we're going to leave it there. It's now at this point, Tuesday, the 9th of March. So we'll leave it there. You're still driving. This is en route from Kabul to Herat. And we will pick it up next time in the middle of the desert of death and your adventures there. That ends episode 11. In the next episode, the bus breaks down in the middle of the desert of death and my parents hitch a ride to Herat with a drug smuggler. Join us next time for episode 12.